Mike Judge presents a new Cinemax original series about the renegades of country music, featuring the tales of Johnny Paycheck, Jerry Lee Lewis, George Jones, Tammy Wynette, Billy Joe Shaver, Blaze Foley, and Waylon Jennings. The only thing more epic than what they did on stage is what they did behind the scenes. Don't miss the music, the mayhem, the legends. Mike Judge presents Tales from the Tour Bus, premiering Friday, September 22nd, only on Cinemax. Is very good television podcast. I'm Liz Shannon Miller at Lizard on the Twitters. And I'm Ben Travers at Ben T. Travers on the Twitters. And happy Monday. Hopefully, maybe you watched the Emmys last night. Maybe you enjoyed them. Uh, we're recording this before the Emmys happened, so we have no idea whether or not you enjoyed them, whether or not good things happened, whether or not good triumphed over evil. Oh, that, that evil already triumphed, Liz. We knew that. That, that happened last week. Because of what? Because the leftovers lost. That's right. That's right. I remember now. Yeah. I'm sorry. Hopeless. Yep. Existence is futile. Yeah, but that, isn't that the whole point of the show to begin with? Wouldn't it have been weird if the show had won all these awards and had, like, become a beacon of hope? Well, it would have been at least fitting that the audience who watched, you know, took the lessons to heart and rewarded the artistic accomplishments <laughs> and, and, you know, put up a form of resistance, if you will, hmm. by saying, hey, we recognize what you're telling us. We recognize these truths, and we are going to respond in kind by rewarding you for telling us them. It doesn't sound like The Leftovers at all. Sounds exactly like The Leftovers. Mm. Well, the point is, is that uh, now that the Emmys... Every week, I went to fucking Australia. <laughs> Every year. Whatever. I'm just going to quote... Okay. How dare you? Um, he went to Australia every year for two weeks. Yeah. Somebody remembers The Leftovers a little bit better than somebody else. Fact. Is all I'm going to say. Fact. Yep. And that's me. Uh, <laughs> point is... Uh, now that the Emmys are over, uh, that means that we're officially in what, you know, in the olden days used to be considered the time of new TV and returning TV and like all the new shows are returning and we can stop thinking about what happened last year. Um, of course, that's not really ever true anymore. New shows come out all the time in an unceasing, uh, what's a flood? Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah. But there are some, there's there's a bunch of stuff that's coming out in the next month or so that we're really excited to see return. Uh, you know, these are long longtime favorites of ours, and some of them are returning just like to basically kind of keep up with the status quo. Some of them we have seen, some of them we haven't. Point is, we're going to talk about the shows that we think are going to be really great players in in their returning seasons, and uh, why we think that. Especially why we think that. Yeah. We're Especially. Gonna, we're going to talk about content. Yes. Content. The hashtag. power of content. The power of content. Um, ben, kick us off with uh, one of your returning favorites that you think is going to be really worth checking out. Well, much like Twin Peaks The Return, which has already returned, I'm talking about a show that has already returned in that it premiered two last last Thursday yeah. while you're listening to this, uh, in that Pamela Adlon's Better Things is among the best things on TV. And that is all the wordplay I'm going to try to attempt on my temporary caffeine high. But it's great. I love better things. It's so, 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 so good. Yeah, I'm really annoyed with myself that I haven't sat down with the screeners yet. Like, it seems like every, every all, I really love the first season. And for everything I've heard, like, the second season is just a notch above. Liz, quick question. Yeah. Uh, you have not watched Better Things Season 2 yet. Yeah. Uh, follow-up question. How many times have you watched The Orville? 
Well, somebody had to cover the Orville Benjamin, and I wasn't going to make anyone else do it. Uh, you didn't answer the question, though. I decline to answer the question on the advice of my attorneys. I would plead the fifth as well. Uh, but no, better things. Uh, it's it's every Thursday. It's on FX. Uh, starts at 10 p.m. Uh, Pamela Adlon may or may not have won an Emmy last night. She was the she was nominated for outstanding lead actress in a comedy series up against Julia Louis Dreyfus, which is you know the odds on favorite. But she's definitely deserving. She was the only nominee for the show, which is a little bit disappointing. But uh, in season two, she's also directing every single episode, uh, and she's been really happy with how that went. Like she's talked about how kind of it it made things a little bit easier for her in a way, like because she was so in control of it and she knew everything that was going on and she was able to just kind of, um, she was used to kind of having that much responsibility elsewhere in her life. So then it fit that she would take that on at work as well. Um, so yeah, I mean, uh, I think it really shines through. It's a, it's a singular, unique voice and a great perspective. And it's one of those shows where, uh, for me, when you're in it, it's hard to imagine watching anything else. And it's also hard to imagine it watching, like it's hard to imagine it ending. So like every time kind of the credits pop up, like sometimes you see it coming, sometimes the structure of the show, you know, you don't necessarily realize you've already spent 25 minutes there. Um, but you just want it to keep going. Like you just want to stay there because it's mm-hmm. it's a beautiful story. I'd be fascinated to watch I watch Pamela Adlon on set. Like I'd love to see like what 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 her style is as a director. Well, it's funny that you said that, Liz, because I had the opportunity to do that. And oh, it was wonderful. She's awesome. Is she kind of like how is she very chill? As she's a director? very she's very chill. Um, she's very much on the ball. Um, she's also very considerate of of everyone around her pretty much at all times like kind of listening to her on set guiding a scene the 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 scene i got to watch was her um i think it's episode five and it's mainly um the actress whose name is escaping me and i'm so sorry she plays pamela uh, she plays the mother um who lives Mm. across her her mother who lives across the street and she's having like a card game with her friends and she was just Kind of like she was, she was giving them like little bits of advice throughout it, but she was also talking to the DP a lot and movement and framing. And I mean, but she was, it was all very casual. Um, but at the same time, she was specific. Like she knew what she wanted to get out of those scenes, and she was moving forward. So it, it was, it was a great set. Cool. Uh, Elizabeth. Benjamin. What's your pick? Uh, first up, I'm going to mention the Good Place, uh, which is the Mike Sure created uh, comedy that really, I think holds up well in reviewing uh, if you rewatch season one uh, or if you watch season one uh, know that it is a delightful show that's so full of great details and season two uh, if you finish season one then you know that season two like has like a lot to handle and the way in which that they the way in which they tackle it uh, we've seen I've seen the first four episodes of season two and it's just really great like they really there's a real commitment to plot to plotting out this premise and to re- to really like anal you know figuring out how to keep the show moving forward after some of the big reveals of season one. Uh, so without I'm talking very obliquely because of course spoilers are a major issue with this show, um, but suffice it to say that if you are a big Good Place fan but we're wondering how season two will follow up on season one, no. You 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 will probably you will hopefully be as delighted as I was. It's such a it was such a confounding first season for me because I really loved the pilot. Like I love the world world building that was set up in the pilot. Uh-huh. But through like the first I think five episodes is what they gave us uh, at the onset. The the kind of twist heavy secret keeping side of the show really wore against 
it in my opinion. Like I, I it I struggled to want to continue watching because they kept contorting it into ways that were twist heavy at the end. Like they were they were making you they were, it was like they were kind of trying to control my desire to want to watch it instead of just letting these people and these characters in this world open up and be its own thing. But once they dive they got rid of that secret, once you once I don't want to spoil season one even in case people haven't seen it. But once they make the big shift in season one, everything kind of came together. Everything from that moment forward was was much more in touch with the the like heartfelt humanity that drives a lot of Michael Schur's shows. Um, and it really was a beautiful thing. So I'm very excited to see what they do in season two. I was it was one of those that I was I wanted to love from the start. I was a little iffy on when it first happened, and then by the end of it, I'm I'm totally won over. So mm-hmm. good pick. Lisa. Thank you, Benjamin. No Benji. That's me. Yeah. Uh, that's that's going to be my new thing now. Whenever you call me Lisa, I'm going to call you Benji. Works for me. Okay. Um, so what do you got on your list next? Uh, <laughs> next up is um, hopefully I'll be able to explore this a little more thoroughly. Um, well, let's not say thoroughly. A little more exacting, like something something precise to hone in on exactly what drives my obsession well not even obsession just my uh general interest in the fox action drama lethal weapon (sighs) lethal weapon season two returns to fox on tuesday (coughs) tuesday september 26th at 8 p.m and it was one of those shows that i started watching because one i had to review it two it had the great clayne crawford uh from Rectify uh, playing Martin Riggs, which is just incredibly exciting for anybody who watched Rectify. And it was one of those where I was like, okay, I watched it, I got it, it was fine, it was a little bit better than I expected. The action scenes were actually uh, entertaining and well done, for us, but not, not even especially for TV, just in general, they were, they were fun to watch, and I was curious kind of how long they could sustain that, and then it was easy for me to keep going because of Clayne Crawford, and then I just ended up watching the whole first season because yeah. it was kind of good like it, it I feel kind of like... good rave <laughs> review from Ben T. Travers well I feel like this is what a lot of people use for reality TV and whatever is going on with me I, I'm never able to watch reality TV even when you just want to shut your brain off and escape for a little while um, but it, it what's interesting to me about Lethal Weapon is it still holds up to my rule of judging my favorite television in that when I'm watching at home, if I pause the TV when I leave the room, that means I'm really into the show. Right. Because I might just be running to the kitchen to, you know, feed the cats or, or you know, steal some food for the fridge. And I, I'm not too worried about missing a line of dialogue or mm-hmm. uh, I, I kind of get what's going on that I don't want to, like, whatever. So I can just go in there and I'll just let it run. Um, but this one, I pause. Like, I don't, <laughs> it's like, I, I know I'm not going to miss anything that's going to confuse me and ruin the show, but there's just, like, little moments of joy that creep up, and a lot because of Crawford's performance that usually I, I'm going to stop it. And I, I just, I really enjoy that time I spend 45 minutes a week watching Lethal Weapon. So I'll try to put that into more uh, analytical Understandable you're, you review, you're language. The premiere, I'm sure. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna review the premiere. I might do like a little opinion piece on Guilty Pleasure TV because it's weird. Like I I don't really feel guilty about it, mm-hmm. even though I acknowledge it's not, you know, on the par of I mean, all these other oh, shows I'm about to talk about. But 
Of all the Dick Classé shows you could be watching, it's hardly the worst you could be doing. Yeah, and that's the thing. Like, I, I wouldn't, I would never say it was a bad show. Mm-hmm. So it's not guilty pleasure TV, which is what I kind of bump up against in general. Like, when people are just like, well, it's my guilty pleasure, and it's like a really bad show, and they know it's bad, and they just keep watching it, even though it's it could be harmful to them, uh, which is what I feel like a lot of reality TV is. Like, that's a weird relationship, but I don't feel guilty when I watch Lethal Weapon, I just feel, <laughs> I just, I still know that there's better TV I could be watching, and I'm still choosing to watch Lethal Weapon. Or I don't even need to watch TV. I could be reading a book. You know, like there's other things I could what do. What is books? Great question, Liz. Um, and, and to answer that, I think we should probably just launch into another recommendation on your end. Well, I feel less bad about this one uh, coming on the heels of that. Uh, but I will say... This, is, this isn't necessarily a recommendation, but this is a show I'm looking forward to checking out when it returns to ABC later this, I believe, in, in October. I in also, I watched the entire first season of Designated Survivor. God. And the thing was is that that show is like a weird, that show has so many problems and is tonally very weird. And they... Switch showrunners. I think they're on their third or fourth showrunner after just one season, which is kind of incredible. And yet, I find that watching the show meant there'd be some pleasant, like West Wing esque, but not as good banter Ugh. about politics. Disagree. What's, I'm not saying it's as good as the West Wing. <laughs> Jesus Christ! I just the banter is. Uh, continue. I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, how Apologies. much did you watch? Uh, I think I. I don't remember. I think I got through like episode eight or something. Um, it was a little oh, bit because you were doing that piece about like reevaluating yeah, a lot of the fall like, shows, kind of like checking back on the fall shows. Yeah. Um, but I, I didn't get much past the storyline in which they justified closing down the borders. Mm. That was my final straw. I was like, nope, too close to the wrong side of things, and a really horrific justification. So I'm done. I can't yeah. do. It. Fair enough. Um, but basically, it's a combination of you know, political thriller, and like there was some cheesy stuff with uh, the assassination plotline that ticked off all my like John Grisham political thriller enjoying like boxes, and then also Maggie Q is, is. basically is. basically John McClane in that show. Yeah. She literally like punches a guy through a wall at one point, and I'm just like, this is great. I'll watch Maggie Q beat the shit out of people for for 15 minutes out of a 45 minute episode and. Maybe I'll pay attention during some of the other scenes. So I agree. Maggie Q's great. Maggie Q is fantastic. Cal Penn's also on that show, and I love him. He could do better. He could. Everyone. Maggie Q could do better. Well, she she Why could do Maggie better. Why is Maggie Q not in, like, Leith, uh, Die Hard, the TV show? She would actually be a really good antagonist in Lethal Weapon. Like, if, she, if they brought her in as the bad guy, that would be pretty cool. Yeah, or like, she could be, like, a cop who rubs rigs the wrong way. And then she rubs them the right way. And then she rubs them the right way. Yeah. We did it. We did it. We've Fox, <laughs> get on it. Yeah, get Maggie Q. Airlift her out of Designated Survivor. Uh, they shoot in Toronto. You can get her, find her pretty easy, I'm sure. Done and done. Done and done. But I'm I'm more like, I'm not necessarily looking, like anticipating that Designated Survivor Season 2 will be great, but I am curious to check it out just to see what they do, see how it, see if it, see if it does improve, and also see Maggie Q punch some dudes through walls. I mean... I feel like we've entered a weird True Detective season two esque stage of all that I wanted from that show was 
Rachel McAdams stabbing people with knives. Like at some yeah. point, I was just like, "That's all I'm watching this for." Were we like waiting for weeks for that to happen? Yeah, it took freaking forever for her to stab some people with knives. Because we knew it happened. We we knew it ha- was going to happen from one of the trailers. We knew that there was going to be some stabbing. Well, they also. I mean, she doesn't. You don't show somebody in their apartment like stabbing their wall with a bunch of little knives and then not deliver to somebody. It, it's the Chekhov's gun scenario. Yeah. Like you, you can't. So, I mean, now you're just going to be watching Designated Survivor in the corner of your screen over there. Yeah. Uh, waiting for Maggie Q to... Punch to, a dude through a wall. To sidekick some schmo through a building. That's going to be great. Yeah. And what's another pick for you? Uh, next up for me is one that I think everybody probably should be aware of at this point. They've been flooding the zone pretty well for Curb Your Enthusiasm Season 9, uh, the long-awaited return of Larry David. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I mean, it's a big deal. Like it's it's a show that you know is beloved by many. Uh, it's it's a it's a time when we need more good comedies because when don't you need more good comedies? Mm-hmm. Um, I, I feel like him kind of checking in on on culture in general, PC culture. So be it. I mean, it's a perspective that is valuable. I will I will say that, and it is a it is a <laughs> it it is a comedy that is very very funny. So uh, I'm very excited for. October 1st at 10 p.m. when Curb Your Enthusiasm returns. Ben is doing much better with actually having the dates handy uh, for all these shows we're talking about. I, I don't, I, I actually, I'd be curious. Maybe this is our, our question of the week. Right. Um, when you're listening to podcasts, is it valuable for you to know when, like the t- the date and time and channel yeah. for stuff to return? Because, I mean, when I'm in my car, I, I'm, I'm usually listening to podcasts in the car or cleaning, like I'm usually listening to podcasts when I'm not able to just quickly write something yeah. down. And I don't quickly just write something down. I usually just Google it. But mm-hmm. I do feel like it's a good reminder to know if something's coming or like a general time because everyone, like, you don't know what's going to stick. Yeah. Like I know I don't know what's going to stick in my head and be like, oh, yeah, Curb is coming back October 1st. Like that's when Curb's back. Yeah. So, you never know. Yeah. And more information is certainly better than less. I guess. I just, yeah. It could also just be annoying. Cause I was I, just calling out my own lack of work ethic. Yeah. You might just be the efficient one, Liz. You might just be the one who's in tune with what our listeners desire. And then we're not spending five minutes talking about times and whether we should be talking about them. <laughs> uh, Liz, your pick. Number three. Boom. Uh, we're staying in ABC drama land. Uh, but... As a longtime fan of Scandal, who has weathered some ups and downs, um, I am not looking forward to saying goodbye to the show, because, again, I love me a political thriller. Um, Obviously. And uh, the thing is, like, as this is the final season, as this is uh, being written largely in the wake of the election, as a lot of different factors are coming together here for Scandal Season 7, and I am optimistic that it will make it a good season. Like, I feel like... I feel like Shonda Rhimes wants to end this on a high note. I feel like she, I feel like there's going to be a plan. I think it's a short season. I think it's only 13 episodes. And I think that's going to be great because the best, the best scandal season ever is like nine episodes. And that's season one. Season one still holds up as I think one of the best seasons of television made in the last 10 years. Um, I think it's a really tight, smart, really tight, smart season that really knows its voice right away. Stop making that face. (laughs) (laughs) I'm thinking, I'm literally running through a list in my head of all of the great television from the last 10 years. Yeah, I'm saying Scandal is on that list. Like, Mad Men has, what, four seasons? Five seasons in the last 10 years? Yeah. I'm not saying Mad Men's not also a great show. Mad Men, five. 
leftovers. I'm not. Great. I didn't cap the. I didn't cap the <laughs> list. It's like if, if you made a list of 50 great seasons of television, Scandal would be on the list. I'm curious about. Well, actually, man, that would be great to know where that landed because it would be close. Um, whenever people say one of the best. Like, hmm. one of the best of the year, one of the best of the last, whatever. Like, whenever they qualify. Right. I mean, technically, they all are. Because they're all shows. Like, you're all one of something. You could be one of the best and one of the worst, and then we just don't know where you land on the list. But hmm. you're all one of because you're one of the shows. Like, it doesn't mean much. To, like, I know what they're saying, and I've said it. I mean, obviously. But right. it, it's, it seems like a, almost a, a less weighty like it's 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 an it's inflated. A, it's, it's, it term. is it is it is a pulling your punches to some degree a little bit. Like yeah. it's it is not making the full on bold declarative statement. It is hedging your bets a little yeah. bit. And, and I mean it's also understandable because when you're going through a year, like when you're talking about the best of the year, mm-hmm. uh, one of the best of the year, you know you don't want to say it in June. You're like this is the best of the year. Like you could say it's the best of the year so far maybe, but you know even then like it's tough. Anyway, yeah. we got off a tangent. Yeah. Point is, scandal's coming back. It's gonna be great. Do you know, like, um, has she talked about in the past, like, have they always had a plan for the ending? Like, did they always kind of know where this was going or? I don't think so. Yeah. Um, I think I think they they made the call to end with season seven. Right. I, I believe it did not come from ABC. And. Well, we know it wouldn't. Yeah. Um, why do you have that? Why, why, why do we know it wouldn't? Uh, you know me. I, I've been listening to a lot of. Uh, Damon Lindelof podcasts and oh. the negotiations with oh, him yeah, and ABC over lost. lost are, are prominent in my mind now. Yeah, gotcha. How about you make? How about you make ten? Uh, we asked for three. <laughs> yeah, but no, that's exciting. I, I'm I'm excited to see how Scandal ends, and I am a very passive Scandal viewer. So yeah, what about you? What's another? Let's uh, we're almost almost through the our lists. Uh, what what's your next thing? What is my next thing? Oh, my next thing is uh, The Girlfriend Experience Season 2. Ooh, I've actually seen two episodes of that. Oh, Liz. I'm fancy. Liz is fancy pants. It did premiere at TIFF yep. uh, just a couple of days ago. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, the reviews were embargoed, so we're not going to say anything, obviously. But uh, the first season was, was bold television, to say the least. Mm-hmm. It also um, at least won absolutely tremendous performance from Riley Keough. And a uh, whole new set of characters... Two different storylines, um, half-hour episodes, uh, and devoted entirely to each storyline. So mm-hmm. you get an episode about one person, then you get an episode about another person. Um, but the directors are the same. You know, Soderbergh's still involved. Um, there's no real reason to not get excited for the Girlfriend Experience season two. I'm I'm very interested to see where they take this. I like that they're even pushing further than they did in season one in terms of what they're going to do with it narratively, uh, like how the structure of the season is going to be set up. So, um, so yeah, I'm very excited. And that's that's back for everybody on November 5th at 9 p.m. on Stars. So that's a ways off, but, uh, you know, mark your calendars. Yeah, I mean, I think it's going to be a really interesting show to discuss in terms of especially the episode structure, like how that plays out and why, whether it works or not. Like, Well, it's weird because they've already talked about how like they're already kind of thinking of it as a binge model. Like it's not being released all at once, but mm-hmm. they've talked about how, you know, they know that people will be able to choose which ones they watch. Right. So like it, there is going to, I assume there's going to be a, a careful uh, consideration as to how they're released linearly, but they also seem to be aware that people will be able to binge it. And they might just say, nope, I'm just going to watch this whole storyline all the way through. Then I'll go watch this whole storyline all the way through. I don't know if they're interwoven. No, I don't think they are. That's no, no, thing. I meant no, I meant like I think like 
episode number wise, I the storyline, I the episodes I watched were episodes eight and nine, and they were the first two episodes of uh, Amy Simons' story. Oh, you mean that the like linearly they're not interwoven? I don't think it's gonna be like episode one is one story, episode two is the second story. Oh, you think they're gonna tell one whole story and then start a whole new story? I think so. Oh, interesting. Or I, I, could, didn't be, know I that. could be wrong. It could just that could just be an episode order, an episode number thing quirk. How many episodes are there? I think like thirteen or fourteen. Well, that would make sense then. Yeah, interesting. All right, I did not know that, yeah. but there you go. But I don't think we have a firm answer on that, so don't take our don't 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 consider us firmly locked on that that's such an interesting that's that's a bold choice in and of itself just because if you're marketing this as like it's that's basically just writing two seasons of television right but with shorter episode like shorter episodes yeah. orders for each one it's very confusing and i kind of hope for some clarity on it i kind of like the idea i mean especially if they if they had like if they just got two really good ideas mm-hmm. to tell but they knew they didn't need to stretch it to 13 episodes right. and then save the other one for a next season. They just were like, no, we'll just tell it like this because that's the order we got. That would be awesome. That would be, I mean, it's, you know, big complaint with a lot of stuff where you're just like, you know what? You could have done this in a shorter amount of time. Yep. So anyway, we're excited no matter what. Liz has already seen two. She's not saying anything about it. Liz, instead, what's your next pick? I can't wait for Brooklyn Nine-Nine to come back. Hey-o. So this is an all Mike Schur list for me, I guess. Uh- <laughs> Mike Schur and ABC. That's what Liz is all about. <laughs> yep. Uh, but yeah, Brooklyn Nine Nine uh, is a, a show I just recently kind of rewatched, um, just like while co-working on stuff. And I was pleasantly surprised by just how well it holds up as re- in rewatching, and also just kind of how the show has really come together and found its voice. And it's one of the best comedy ensembles currently working on television today. And you know, it's a fun show. So. Hard to say no. Yeah, I mean, it's just in. It, I feel like I'm. I'm looking forward to seeing how they resolve the cliffhanger from last season, uh, though I'm sure it'll be like relatively quick, and then they'll be back to business. I mean, I still think the big question is whether or not Jake Peralta has seen Lethal Weapon, the TV series. I don't think we got a good answer on that. Not a definitive one. Not a definitive one. I, I, we tried to ask Andy Samberg, but I think they thought I was joking. And you know what? I want to know. Yeah, it's a good question. It's a fair question. Also, uh, Emmy nominee. Andre Bragger? Yes. Uh, his performance on BoJack this year. Oh, so good. It, it elevates. It's one of those things where like you see him in BoJack and you remember Brooklyn and then you get excited for Brooklyn because you're excited to see more of this guy. He, like it's, He's just great. Yeah. It's, it's one of, as soon as I figured out it was him, I was like, ah. Oh, it was instant for me. Like I was so happy too. Like he, he's got one of those voices that's very distinct, but at the same time I feel like I could confuse it or not pick up on it. But for some reason it's like, no, that's him. And, like, even looking at the woodchuck, it was like, no, this is, that's him. Yeah. But so great. Um, good pick. Good pick. Uh, how about you? Last pick. Last pick. Uh, guys, I'm really sorry. I'm not going to shut up about Red Oaks. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Trust me. He won't. I refuse to shut up about Red Oaks. We have to, we have to rally around this little beautiful Amazon comedy. Uh, Paul Reiser. It's great. Like it's just, it's so much fun, and it's it's uh, it it uses nostalgia in the exact right ways to tell fresh stories that still matter to people. Um, it, it, it's it's tight. It's it's well constructed. It's very very funny. Uh, it's got a great couple of romances going on that are both complicated and and easy to engage with. Uh, it's a beautiful little story, and honestly, I think anybody who has any sort of affinity for kind of the 80s in general, like mm-hmm. 
the best of the 80s, like those 80s. It's not an 80s style comedy. It just draws on that in all of the right ways to create its own thing. Uh, it's so good, guys. And I haven't seen it. It is premiering. The, the new season. Yeah, I haven't seen it's the new season. It's, it's premiering at, I believe, Tribeca. Right. It, yeah. So it's it, it'll be in New York, and they're having like a screening with some of the people to talk about it. Um, so I'm hoping to get some screeners soon. But it, it, it's not out until October. They haven't even set a firm release date for it. Um, but, uh, but yeah, Red Oaks. You'll hear me talk about it again, I'm sure. I'm sorry. But I'm, well, I'm not sorry. No, he's not sorry. He will never apologize. I won't. It's great. Great show. Liz, take us away. Oh, Mr. Robot's coming back. That's going to be fun. <laughs> you you sound excited. I'm a little tired. But uh, no, I think I think Mr. Robot is a fascinating show. Um, and I really, I, I still dug season two. I, I should rewatch. I, want, I should rewatch the whole series before, before season three returns just to feel fresh on it. Uh, but I feel like that is, I feel like Sam Esmail is really interested in trying things and exploring his subject matter and exploding his world in really interesting ways. And the one thing you have to forgive with it is that the twists aren't quite as clever as that you want them to be. But it's such a smart show that puts so much thought into everything. And I continue to keep really engaged with it. Yeah, Mr. Robot's interesting. I mean, I... I I haven't finished season two yet, and it's it's honestly it's always been a show that has never been addictive for me. Right. Like even when it was a like even when I was able to binge it, like a season one or whatever, it was never an easy. It was never something where I just kept having to come back to it. But when I sat down to watch the episodes, I was always impressed with the production. I was always impressed with the performances. I was always kind of intrigued where the story was going. I don't know if I've ever gotten anything super enriching out of it. Like I don't know if I've ever felt that feeling you get when you watch a TV show and you are kind of overwhelmed by uh, the resonance of it. Mm-hmm. But it's there's a lot to admire there. And I, I, I do very much admire what Esmail is, is doing and trying to do. So uh, it's always worth talking about and, and checking out. So yeah, I need to finish season two. I apologize. Uh, have you gotten to the ALF episode yet? No, no. I've oh, heard God. a lot about it. Yeah, you yeah. need to get to the ALF episode. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. God, it's so good. I think I'm only in like four, four or five. Oh, yeah. So. yeah. No, I think ALF is episode like six or something. Yeah. It's so good. Right on the cusp. Right on the cusp. Um, but yeah, and... Is that in November? No, it's like October 11th, I October believe. 11th, okay. October 11th or 13th. Yeah. Um, Sneaking up. Sneaking up. Ugh, God almighty. Um... But most importantly, Ben, we've got all these shows that we're looking forward to seeing. But what was the best thing you watched last week? Uh, if I was going to answer honestly, I'd be redundant. Uh, it would be One Mississippi and Better Things, which I already talked about. So I'm going to say, since the embargo has lifted, uh, the best thing I watched last week was uh, the first three episodes of Big Mouth. Ah. Um, Big Mouth is a new Netflix original comedy. Uh, it's an animated series created by Nick Kroll and uh, his childhood friend Andrew Goldberg, um, and it's about childhood. It's about adolescence, about these these kids when they're in kind of middle school and they're hitting puberty and things are developing, and it is an interesting kind of uh, combination of some really sweet moments about really tough to talk about situations, embarrassing scenarios from when you were a youth and, and kind of trying to just understand what was going on with your body and what was going on with life and your feelings and et cetera. And then really, really crude, horrific jokes, like yeah. just 
super raunchy shit. Um, and for me, it worked. Uh, I, I've, I've enjoyed it quite a bit. Um, I think, yeah, I feel like it's one of those shows where it, it definitely is not for everyone. Um, and I feel like I've talked to people who are like, I liked it, but it's not for me. Like, yeah, it's I, good, but it's not for me. I'm always worried about the not for everyone qualifier because I feel like that just steers people who, like, see a preview or something and they don't watch all of it or they hear something about it and they're like, yeah, I'm probably one of the people who it's not for. I'd encourage you to try it out, and then if you don't like it, that's fine. But I I really admire kind of the the, the vulnerability that's put into it because – these are not easy things to talk about, and a lot and some a lot of these stories. It turns out I, I hosted a, a panel for them at, at a screening the other day, and a lot of these things. It turns out are very true stories <laughs> that these poor guys and girls went through very literally. And apparently, their litmus test for writers when they were interviewing people to come in to help with the show was they just very bluntly asked them questions about when did you get your first period. When did what what did you do when you masturbated as a kid? Like just very blunt things to figure out if they were willing to talk about this stuff because they needed them to be able to talk about it so they could put it into the show. Interesting. And some of that stuff made it into the show. <laughs> uh, and I should also mention because I feel like it does need to be said, there were a lot of female writers in the writers' room. It was uh, very fifty uh, fifty, if not more women than men split. And uh, the female story so far has been has been good. They've been they've been paying. A lot of attention for uh, you know raunchy stories about kids growing up and masturbating and and hormone monsters skews male, but this is this is a, a, a pretty well balanced story so far. So I'm excited to see where it goes. Cool, Elizabeth Benjamin. What was the best thing you watched last week? I fell hard for the Deuce last week. Yeah, um, this is one I was a little behind on, but uh, this is of course uh, David Simon and George Pelicano. George Pelicanos. But George Pelicanos. Pelicanos. Uh, Pelicanos. Um, I don't know. I'm not <laughs> You're putting like a weird, I don't know. like an Enya sound or something in there. I'm having fun with it. I'm keeping it fancy. But anyways, um, it's about the, the rise of the porn industry, the, the, rise, the porn, and, porn and prostitution in the 1970s, and James Franco plays twin brothers, and you've probably heard a fair amount about it already. It's a big prestige project. I've talked about it. Venice talked about it. Uh, but yeah, it was my turn to catch up with it, and I really enjoyed it. M- Maggie Gyllenhaal's character is a delight to me. Candy. Candy. Uh, and I'm very, I, I, it's one of those things where um, I, we, they gave us, it's eight episodes for the first season. Yes. And they gave, gave us all eight. Bless you, HBO. Yes. And it's, I hit this point where I'm like, I have to slow down now because I need, I'm about to run out of episodes and I need to enjoy every single last drop. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's worth savoring. And it's one that I'm, I'm hoping I can revisit in episode reviews more often, or at least kind of go back and check those out as they're airing. If, you know, given the time, Mm -hmm. since time is quite valuable right now. Yeah. Uh, But it's, it is worth savoring for sure. Yeah. I mean, I, the big thing is like, I just. I really want there to be multiple seasons of this show. I really want the story to keep going. I want these characters to keep on, keep on, keep on, keep keep on keeping on. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. Uh, so that was that was the best thing I watched. What's the next thing you're looking forward to? Uh, the next thing I'm looking forward to is I'm going to go twofold. I'm going to cheat like Liz does sometimes. Um, Law and Order: The Menendez Brothers is the new. 
uh, I don't even know how to describe it. It's True like a crime mini series, blah blah blah. That's yeah, that's probably the best way. Yeah, it's the new limited series. They're using the Law and Order brand, but it seems to be very much its own entity. Um, it stars Edie Falco, which is always, you know, worth watching. You always want to see Edie Falco. Um, and then uh, Leslie Linkaglotter, who obviously is a, a very prominent director. She's uh, produced Homeland for a number of years, still producing Homeland. Uh, she directed the pilot. Did she do more than that? I think she might have done the first two. Yeah, she might have done a couple. Uh, she might have done the first and the last. I don't remember. Anyway, she's a prominent figure and executive producer on it as well. Uh, so there's a lot to be excited about um, in that vein, and that premieres. Oh, shit, I didn't write it down. <gasps> this week. I mean, it's it's like Wednesday, I think, or cool. Thursday or something. Chung chung. <laughs> Quick chung chung, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm excited to see that. And then uh, I, I I feel since it's an Emmy's day after. It's mm-hmm. it's kind of worth noting that Transparent is coming back. Oh yeah. And Transparent, I don't know what it did last night, but uh, it had a little bit of dip in nomination count slash it got boxed out of the best comedy race. Mm-hmm. Um, but season four is right around the corner, and Transparent is a show that is uh, it, it's it's always enlightening. It is always a show that uh, presents new strong perspectives and is unafraid to try a lot of new formal things with its storytelling. Uh, so I'm excited to see that, as well as, I mean, Jeffrey Tambor's back. Jeffrey Tambor's the man. I love Jeffrey. And Judith He's White. not the man. And Gabby Hoffman. And he's, you're right, he's not the man. So uh, so that premieres on Friday, and uh, I'm excited to see that as well. Wonderful. Liz, next thing for you. Uh, speaking of returning shows, this one didn't come up in our listing, but it is worth noting that we have three episodes of Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, season three, to uh, peruse at our leisure. And I am excited for that because that is a great show. When she says our leisure, she does not mean you, dear listener. She means critics. Yes, critics. They did not do a sneak release of, of Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. That is true. Though yes. that would be awesome. Sorry. But yeah, um, yeah, the Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, I believe, returns in October. But we have a chance to check it out now in advance. And I'm looking forward to doing that. I do feel like it's a delicate dance that they do with these shows right now because there's obviously so many shows coming out. Mm-hmm. So they want to make sure that, you know, their show has the opportunity for coverage. Right. So, like, how they provide it, when they provide it, how much they provide it um, really does make a difference, I think. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm kind of, I mean, it's, it's, it's always helpful to get it early. Right. So, like, having Crazy Ex-Girlfriend now, it's like, it's early. That's great. So. Right. Yeah, I think, like, I feel like a month is... The only catch is, like, if I watch them all now, like, in a month, I'm probably, if, if I was going to review it, which I probably won't, like, somebody else will do that. But, yeah, Steve will probably review it. Yeah, well, um, I'll let Steve have that one. <laughs> yeah, but if uh, but if I had, if I said, if Steve suddenly couldn't review it and I had to review it, I'd probably have to rewatch it. Yeah, but at the same time, if you if you have the opportunity to watch anything, like, early, and if, and if you do it, right. even if it's too soon, like, before you're writing a review, whatever, if something happens in it, like you expect with Crazy Ex-Girlfriend because it's always something so good. There's always something memorable that you're going to pull from those episodes. Then that's going to be lodged in your brain. Mm-hmm. So then, you know, if it did come time for you to need to review it, like you've got a starting point and you know you want to and you're not going to forget about it. Like you're going to be eager to talk about it. And that's helpful no matter what. Like you might just have an article that you wanted to write. You might just want to write a little 500-word thing about whatever, and that's helpful to the show. So. For sure. Well, you'll be able to read stuff like that and more on IndieWire.com, where you'll find news, reviews, interviews, features, all the stuff you like. And make sure you listen to the IndieWire podcast as well, because we've got a whole family of them, including Turn It On with our own Michael Schneider, uh, the Screen Talk podcast with Eric Cohn and Ann Thompson, and of course, Chris O'Fault on the Filmmaker Toolkit podcast. Yep. 
And uh, you can find Ben on Twitter at Ben T. Travers. You can find Liz on Twitter at Lizlet. That's with an I and an E. Correct. Uh, we will be back next week. Thank you guys so much for listening. And as always, keep watching television. Thank you.